So Money episode 1279, a live conversation with me celebrating my page a day calendar, 365 days of personal finance. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I would love to get to some of the tips in the calendar, which by the way, in in addition to helping you with uh, your personal finance, also will let you know whether or not it's Wednesday, which (laughs) (laughs) I think is useful. Let's not overlook that fact. But but we are coming out of a time when, I I, I don't know about you, but like I genuinely would be like, what day is it? I have no idea. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. In case you missed it live a couple of weeks ago, I joined the fine folks at Saxworks to celebrate my new page a day calendar and advice on how to secure your financial future one day at a time. And we're going to show that episode today. Our host is Rachel Sklar, head of programming at Saxworks. You may remember Rachel. She was a guest on So Money earlier this spring. Rachel is the co-founder of The List and now head of programming at Saxworks, which is a brand new membership club for life and work. The spaces offer beautiful work environments with a full suite of amenities, plus wellness and fitness studios. Rachel will share more of the behind the scenes at Saxworks. You can learn more at saxworks.com. We discuss my financial and life advice, as well as my early lessons about money, thoughts on what money means, how does it change us? Also some audience questions. Yeah, there were some real people in the audience asking about my biggest financial habits and advice for how to teach kids about money. By the way, my page a day calendar, 2022 calendar is available for pre-order at workman.com. Use the code SOMONEY for 20% off through the end of the year. If you'd like me to come speak at your next book club, your next virtual office gathering, or any sort of digital hangout, just commit to buying at least 25 calendars and I'll be there. 25 calendars also, by the way, gets you a huge bulk discount. So if you're interested, email me and I'll get you those details. My email is farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. All right, without further ado, a live taping of So Money. Very exciting. At Saxworks with Rachel Sklar. Hello and welcome to Saxworks and this incredible, I can't believe our luck, live taping of So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi. <laughs> yes. I, Thank you for having me. Myself, it, is, it is a delight. It is a delight and a dream to be able to sit here in this beautiful space and talk to well, you. Well, I'm so proud of us for leaving the house. Getting dressed, leaving the house. This is very special. I I even got my hair done. It it looks fantastic. Actually, you all look wonderful. (laughs) And and please enjoy uh, our wonderful lunch and uh, the beautiful space here at Saxworks. Little spiel. We are a new membership space for work, for life, for sort of we're in a moment of how do we want to live our lives? We've had a a year and a half to really think about how we want to restart and Saxworks is here to support all your goals, support you in where you work with beautiful space and comfort. And we have a wellness space. We have a gym and wellness studio and wonderful programming. If I do say so myself, I'm the VP of programming here and wonderful programming like Farnoosh. So this is a, a true delight for me to be able to welcome Farnoosh to Saxworks to talk about, not only to talk about um, personal finance and all our personal finance world, but her new 
2022 calendar. Let's just jump right into it. Tell me why, what made you want to join everybody uh, every day of their lives? <laughs> 365 days to, of me. To give them finance Sorry, tips. and you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is really a treat, and this view is everything. Um, having you all come is also so, so special. This is a really wonderful turnout. Well, I, I joke that this is the calendar no one ever knew they needed. When the fine people at Workman Publishing came out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in you know, creating a calendar that is derived from your podcast? I thought, no, um, <laughs> I, I don't think this is something that I want to do or could work. And so they, we just kept talking. And you know, the more I thought about it, I had been doing the podcast for well over five, six years at that point. And I didn't even have like a pencil with the name So Money on it. You know, there was like nothing you could hold in your hand, a t-shirt or something like, no, there was no swag. There was no So Money. Except for 18 million downloads. Yeah. And going. <laughs> it, was, it was in our hearts and in our minds. And now finally something that you could hold and keep on your desktop or give as a gift and, and really celebrate the essence of the show and what it, it really stands for. And yeah, you know, in a way, you know, have me uh, with you uh, throughout the days and weeks and months. The show is three days a week, so that's plenty. But if you want more, you can put the calendar wherever you are. And I, I tried to make sure that it wasn't anything too serious. It's a really fun addition to your, you know, your desktop. It's colorful. It's got some of my favorite quotes and inspiration from the podcast. But yeah, there are some days that are going to walk you through the IRA and the 529, but a lot of it is really a mindset, a mindset thing and how to think about money in a way where, you know, you can do it and, and you can be all your wildest financial dreams. I really, that's before I knew Farnoosh <laughs> at all, I just knew her because I listened to her podcast and I would often like, well, like you're doing laundry or, or something mundane and you're just hearing these stories and it was, and I'm not really a, a financial wisdom person. I'm going to be asking the questions. I'm not going to be giving anybody any tips except for maybe how not to do things. But uh, I was so delighted when I actually met her and then it was a life goal to be on her podcast. And I finally was, I was on her podcast earlier this year and it was. Uh, and you so had great advice. Uh, you really did. And by the dip, right? She's an early crypto enthusiast and participant, among other fantastic financial strategies that you share on the show. I feel this is my thing. I feel like I wanted to do this show because I wanted to present the strategies and experiences of everyday people around money. We are all financial experts by, by virtue of walking the earth and you know, spending and consuming and thinking about money. I mean, we all have experiences to share. Maybe we're not all PhDs in finance and we're not all accountants. You know, look at me. I didn't start out. I, I have I have a degree in finance from Penn State, which means I took like four classes uh, on money. But what really made me an expert was talking to other people about money and, and mostly everyday people, right? What brings financial stories to life is showcasing the experiences, the good and the bad of, of everyday people. That's how it is relatable and, and, and sticks. So I was happy to have you on the show. And that's, this and is you're the perfect guest. guest. You're the, it's really, the, these are the guests that I, I love to have or that sort of the unexpected experts uh, when it comes to money, not the, you know, the usual suspects. Uh, I am not a usual suspect. I actually feel, though, that there's, um, you know, and I, 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 I'm very lucky to be sitting here now, but I, I founded a company with a friend for 10 years. We bootstrapped it. It was not always 
anybody's idea of a, of a financial windfall, though we loved it. I was a freelance writer before that, and, and I did all of that after deciding I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. So I experienced this, this very different levels of uh, financial wellness. And I, I do think that there's a, a degree of expertise that comes from not having very much money at all. Yeah. And, uh, and you experience a whole different side of the financial system. Good times. Um, <laughs> anyhow, especially after after this past year. But um, I would love to get to some of the tips in the calendar, yes. which, by the way, in, in addition to helping you with uh, your personal finance, also will let you know whether or not it's Wednesday, which <laughs> <laughs> I think is useful. Let's not overlook that fact. But, it, because... but we are coming out of a time when, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, but like I genuinely would be like, what day is it? I have no idea. <laughs> right. Today's Friday? Okay, it's great. It's November so already? Let's, right, right, exactly. Right. So I bookmark some of these. Let's just see. Okay. I loved this one. Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. Do the hustle. Okay. I can't not do that. I'm not built that way. When you're young, a side hustle can fill your budget gaps. Depending on your skill set, you can find a market. Tutor.com is a great place to find teaching gigs. Upwork can be useful for graphic designers and other techies. And TaskRabbit can be a good resource for those with car and spare weekends. Yeah. I don't know. The, the word hustle sometimes irks me. You know, this is culture of hustle. But Quite literally, you know, in that paragraph, it's really all about optimizing your time for your financial goals. And if one of your financial goals is to make more money, there are resources now more than ever to be able to do that on our own time and in our own way. So whether that's you speak Spanish or you love algebra, you can go on tutor.com and start teaching virtually. Um, and then I know you have a friend who is enjoying TaskRabbit and making some extra income that way. And so it's it's one of those things that is a good reminder to know that there, you have options if that is something that is important to you to sort of make money. When I was in my 20s, I had a lot of side hustles because making $18 an hour before taxes uh, in my 20s in New York wasn't quite cutting it. And I would babysit. This is before the internet really became what it is today. We didn't have these websites to tap into to make money. So I would pet sit. I don't like animals particularly, but this was like, you got to do what you got to do. I bird sat. What is bird sitting? A professor at my school asked if I would bird sit over the 4th of July weekend. And it was like, it was a talking bird, you know, one of those. Did you teach it anything? Uh, no, but it would dance. Like I would put on the mute, I would put on like Z100 and it would bop and sing. It was peculiar. The story really, so we're digressing here, but she offered me, she, we never agreed on a price, but I was like, you know, I mean, it's a whole weekend, long weekend. Oh. And so can she, we just, yeah. Well, this, so she invited me over to her apartment that when she got back to do a postmortem on, on the situation, like how was it? Was the, was, and I think I may have to like water her plants too. And so she sat me down and told me all about her vacation. And she was my professor. So there's a bit of a power dynamic here. And I didn't want to like immediately start with, okay, so uh, you owe me $75. I don't know if she just forgot, but she's like, all right, well, hope you have a good day. Walking me to the door and hadn't paid me yet. And I, I just, I was like, okay, this is my moment. I always, you know, you always had to like, you know, don't ask for the money three days later. Or it's like when you start a job and you're like, I, can I get a raise? Like after we've already like signed the papers? No, you've got to ask for the money. There's a window. So I'm about to leave and I turn to her and I say, so you had mentioned that you would pay about $60 for the weekend. Is that still good? She's like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll write you a check. She just didn't remember. And I hope the check I had was to good. squeeze it out of her. And I felt she, it was not cool because she put me in that spot, but 
I've had it since I was little. I have to tell you, I will get the money. You know, I will get the money. You promised me the money. I did the work. Give me the money. So that was yeah. a yeah. That's a real nice bird you got there. Yeah, shame for the to it. Do you know what I went through in this bird? Anyway, story you didn't think you were going to get today, but this is what we get. It's, with no, it's no coincidence. I became who I am. Right, an aggressive money person. I mean, I feel like that's a very nice uh, segue into uh, May twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. Be financially curious. Yes. This is actually something that Annabelle Gerwich taught me on my show recently. She is a famous comedian, actress, and author. Her latest book uh, talks about her coming to terms with turning 50, I believe, or and just she was always financially solvent and independent throughout her career, which is amazing to think about, you know, as a woman in Hollywood who's not really like a red carpet actress, but like she hustled, right? She worked, she had like long-standing gigs, was the breadwinner in her marriage. But then later in life, you know, as it happens, gets divorced, gets cancer, all these sort of things happen. And then the pandemic and she, in the book chronicles all this almost like through this lens of humor, which I, I could not get over, you know, during the episode, I just said, how do you have this this unrelenting optimism and positivity around really hard, tough things that you've gone through. And she's like, well, this is what makes me survive. This is what allows me to like get up every morning is to sort of find the funny in, in all of this. But also she said, it helps to stay curious, right? Even at this stage in my life, you think you have all the answers, you don't. And then life throws you all these curveballs, and you have to kind of learn again and pick up again. And this curiosity keeps me humble. And it was just part of her way of, I guess, navigating all of these uh, all of these challenges. And I just thought that was so inspirational. It's advice that can carry into your financial life, but also in so many other realms of your life. And that's really what I think, again, going back to the purpose of this and the show and, and like the underlying current, which is that, yeah, we're talking about money, but we're really talking about life. We're talking about how we grew up, our biases. We're talking about our relationships and the lens through which we see the world, it all filters into money. And I think that's what keeps me going. Because if we were just talking about 401ks every day, I don't think I could do it, you know, but this show and this, these conversations just constantly are opening up new topics. I think also even the act of talking about money is um, about culture because uh, we have all been a culture that we're not supposed to talk about money, that it is uh, improper, that it's right. rude, that it's, it's crass, all of which is engineered by people who have money to uh, maybe have fewer questions about where that money goes and, yeah. and where they where it comes from and uh, how they spend it and, and who gets hurt uh, in that process. It's just the act of talking about money is, is an, almost like a transgressive act, especially for communities that are typically not in those realms. Right. It's not fluent. It's not a fluency. And that's the other cool part about having something tangible like this in your home, at work, is that it keeps it in the mix. It keeps money in the mix in your day, in your life. And sometimes you just need that that little something to, to give you that, whether it's an app or, or this or a book or a podcast, I think having a, a relationship with something that promotes good financial thoughts and behavior is why not? A visible reminder that this is okay to talk about. And it's important. Okay right. to think about, important to think about, and should always be a factor. Because, uh, I mean, with the messages we get about, like, oh, you should just be so glad. Particularly, so I worked prior to being at Saxworks. I mentioned I had a company. Uh, it was called The List. It's a, a women's network. And when myself and my co-founder, Glynis McNichol, when we started it, uh, 
10, oh my God, 11 years ago. Yikes. Um, you know, we really, like, there was so much pressure to make it a nonprofit because it was, it was about uplifting women. It was about helping women. And we were very pointed in saying it, it has to be a for-profit venture because women are always, you know, gently encouraged to just give away their right. advice, their labor, their help, their support, all of that. Um, and it's, it's constantly... Uh, an issue. So saying uh, what I am doing provides value, has value, and should earn value. It's such a good point. You you bring up a really, really big topic that often goes undiscussed. But yeah, you it's not blatant, but it is what is communicated so often to women that you should just be happy to have the job, to make the money, don't ask for the raise, stay quiet, turn your business into a nonprofit, you know? <laughs> and and it's true though, you know, we are Generous, generally speaking, if you look at statistics, women on all income levels contribute more as a percentage of their income to charitable events and organizations more than men. And that we know there's the pay gap and all of that. And yet still, women are more charitable. And so I do say sometimes, you know, when women make more, the world becomes a better place. Not because I want women to give away their money. We're going to do it anyway. Don't tell us we have to do it. Like we'll want to do it. Don't make this a requirement. Like it's going to happen. Relax. (laughs) Everyone's going to benefit. But yeah, to make it sort of this expectation is wrong. It's always just good to examine the expectations and and your natural inclinations and especially our money. What feels uncomfortable. Like the, the first, you know, if you feel uncomfortable about around money, it's useful to just have a moment and stop and think about why am I uncomfortable about this and, and what am I not talking about? And, and frankly, when you're not talking about money, that, that says something. Yeah. But, but in relationships in families, I don't know. I'm not a big watcher of succession. I feel like that family is like a little messed up about money. I could, am I wrong? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's part and parcel to a lot of messed upness. You know, it's it's attached to a lot of dis- dysfunction, I think, in the family. But yeah, I am fascinated with how the wealthy think about money. My parents and I, growing up, we were not very wealthy. But, you know, as immigrants, we, we, we climbed the ladder over the years. My parents were very, you know, American dream focused. But there was this family that was just so wealthy and we would hang out with them sometimes. And my mother would come home and she'd say, they don't know how to spend their money. If I was that rich, I know exactly what to do with my money. You know, And it was just interesting because I don't think my mother was right or wrong. I just think it's an interesting thing. Like you, you criticize how other people spend and save. And you think that once you become wealthy, you're going to do all the right things and do all the do diff- things differently. And, and you know, I don't think money changes you. I, and I know this is, may sound controversial. I don't think money changes you. I think sometimes it makes you just more of who you are. I, I would just like to experiment with that at some point. Okay. Yeah. I think we should all be we should all be able to experiment with that. But what do you think? I mean, do you, I just feel like money amplifies your best and worst qualities sometimes. If you're already a generous person, more money might make you more generous. If you're you can be greedy and not be rich, right? You can be greedy with your energy and a lot of other resources, and then you make money, and that could also be some, the next way that you're exhibiting greed or selfishness. It's fascinating. I'm still working on the thesis, but this is kind of what I'm 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 hearing and, and seeing. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to be your best self when you don't have that stress. Absolutely, over you right? Like when you're not monitoring your your credit going up and down with the your you know your ability to pay your interest on that mm-hmm. credit card. Uh, or just going from paycheck to paycheck or something unexpected hits you and 
you're like, ah, I was not expecting that. I mean, I speak from experience. I, if I may, have like still paying off uh, credit card debt from family litigation, family court litigation that can get very expensive. I am a single mom. I have a daughter. She has a father in another country. We had to work things out. Uh, that can be expensive working things Absolutely. out. Um, so it's a lot easier to be your best self when you don't have these these issues nipping at you. So yes, I, I wish not only for myself to have the opportunity <laughs> to do that, but, but really for anybody. It's like, you know, AOC is uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. One of the reasons I'm such a big fan of hers is because she speaks truth to financial power. Yeah, I, I want to be careful though in that there, we tend to have in our culture this quick demonization of wealthy people. I definitely agree that, you know, if you're wealthier, you should pay more taxes. But a lot of us grow up with this mindset that, you know, being rich is bad or that people who are rich are not nice. Uh, you think about like what you see on TV, right? It's always like the mean oil man imposing his power on the little people. And, you know, we were watching Muppets the other night with my kids, right? And that's like exactly, that's the characterization of the wealthy, mean man, and I did think, Newsies, uh, yeah. Newsies musical theater class. And I was like, great, you're going to learn about unions. Right, <laughs> right, right. But yeah, and so all these experiences, I think, filter into this mindset that we grew up with that there is a toxicity with wealth. Therefore, I shouldn't achieve that. Or that's, that's not who I am. And I think that's a really <coughs> unfortunate kind of mentality because we've talked about it up until now that like when you have money, you can do a lot of good with it. You can make your life better and on your community better and you can make change and make impact. And I want those stories more to be, you know, the ones that we share and because they're true. And I think mean, I think there's the other side is true as well, but I think people need to grow up with a more holistic idea of what money can mean as a resource, as a tool. I mean, I feel like this is a decent segue into Barbara Corcoran. <laughs> yeah, she, she's your... the first in the chat in the, in the calendar. I should send her one of these books. Um, and, and, but Barbara, come to Saxworks. Yeah, we'd love to have you. She probably would. You know. Okay, then I guess Let, we'll work okay. on that. I'll have. Uh, she's very yeah. generous with her time and her advice, and she's for, throughout my career has been. She's shown up, you know, in in different ways, and she probably doesn't even know how helpful she has been to me. But she has come on the show. And for those of you who are not familiar with her past, Barbara Corcoran obviously founded Corcoran Real, Real Estate, sold it for $66 million, is now like on Shark Tank. And I think it was in her 50s or, you know, she she don't, didn't get the job on Shark Tank and then really advocated for herself, wrote to executive producer and was like, you have to hire me. This is why. And it was like this like last ditch effort email and she got the job. But I think the quote there is really about embracing the unknown. Here's the quote. So Barbara Corcoran has built a multi-billion dollar business. She's on Shark Tank and she's written many books and she has a podcast. And what drives her to accomplish it all? She says, I don't want to die and think, oh, I wish I shoulda, coulda. I'm too greedy. I just want to experience it all and see where it all goes. It doesn't have to succeed. I just have to get there and see what it's all about. I thought that was a really great quote to open the whole calendar with. She says greedy, but I would argue she's just really extremely curious and driven and wants to take life by the, you know what, you know, like she has had a hard horns. Of course, she's had privileges along the way, but no one told her to start a business. No one told her to, to turn it into a multi-million dollar uh, business. She said she doesn't even like real estate. Did you hear about this? Like, she's like, I don't even like, I just wanted to create something interesting and 
grow it and have a team and just remarkable that you don't, I think you told me this. Oh my gosh, where did, Terry Trismisha, everybody, to my love. She's got a great book coming out called Unfollow Your Passion. And that was it. That was the, we talked about that on my podcast that you don't need to be passionate about something in order for it to be fruitful. You just have to sort of do what you are good at sometimes, you know? Really, that's covering the spectrum of financial advice, right? Because it's, a, it's the lofty stuff, which is be curious, try things, try new businesses, uh, figure out make what mistakes. you're make mistakes. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I couldn't help but notice on your birthday, right? We, so I, I looked, I asked <laughs> Farnoosh well what thought out on her birthday. It's like a very Farnoosh <laughs> piece of advice. It's, it's diversify your accounts. When you're saving for retirement... Make it, that, that that assumes a lot. It's important advice. It's an eclectic bunch of pages there. But it's useful. This, but is, it, the, this yeah. is the thing, right? Like you like traditional IRAs, four hundred one ks. These are these are things that it's important to have. But the very next page, defer gratification. So on the one hand, it's like embrace the unknown. On the other hand, it's defer gratification. Like this is the thing. Like how like you are the the personal finance expert. You have heard all of these stories. Like. When are we supposed to defer gratification and when are we supposed to, you know, invest in ourselves, live our best life? Like, how do we, how do, we do it? Please yeah, you can do both at the same time. You can have different goals that are today, five months from now, six years from now. And I think it's always good to have something that you're looking forward to. Of course, we can't plan and life happens, but it does help to feel like you're moving towards a flag, that you're moving towards a sunset. And when you start to plant for that, like college savings... My kids are seven and five, and I have college accounts saved for them. I don't know if they're going to go to college. I hope maybe they'll consider it. Maybe college won't even exist. Maybe not. Maybe it won't even be a choice. But I'm going to just do the work, and I'm going to open up the accounts, and we'll take it. We'll take it day by day. But I do check the accounts from time to time, and it's really fun to see the money growing over the years. It's just an automatic contribution. You kind of forget about it, but then one day you open up the account, and you're like, wow. That's like half of college is already saved for if we, he was to go tomorrow, which probably means I have another, you know, 10x that. And, and that's like 15 years from now. But that is a way that I am like, I'll be, it'll be very gratifying when he goes and furthers his education someday, somewhere. Um, and to know that, you know, little by little, we were able to make that happen for him and have him graduate debt free, which is, you know, something that my parents helped me do. And it is a legacy that I'd like to continue. That's amazing. And, and I think also speaks to a financial virtue that we haven't discussed yet, which is patience, which is, I'm it is a virtue. On it. Yeah. The only reason on, on the previous podcast, when uh, I talked to Farnish, I said, the, the only reason that I had Bitcoin was that I bought it on a friend's advice. I bought one in 2014 and then I just forgot about it. <laughs> and that's the best way yeah. to invest in crypto because then uh, I remembered and then I started getting into it in January. And now I, I like look every day. And Is anyone else here into crypto or has invested? Yes. Good. Great. I mean, I have to admit, I it fascinates me. I've done a series of it on my show. I listened. This is my thing. I think it's an alternative investment. I think that's fair to say. It's not like following the S&P 500. Increasingly, it's becoming, we're learning more about it. I don't think it's going away. I don't think all of the different currencies are going to be here forever. I think Bitcoin's going to endure, but the blockchain's really fascinating. I think the technology that it that it provides is very versatile and could be really meaningful for different businesses. It's one of those things where 
you have to be really passionate about it. If you love reading articles about cryptocurrency and you spend, you find you're like 30 minutes has gone by, four hours has gone by. I've gone down this rabbit hole. Like, okay, maybe like, you know, put some money in there, but only after you've done the good work, right? Of saving, paying off your debt, putting money in your 401k. If there's extra, and this is like something you want to roll the dice on, go for it. I prefer to invest in things like art. I don't really know if it's going to appreciate, but in the meantime, I can enjoy it because it's in my house. It may not be something that I want to sell, but I can give to the next you know, generation or gift to somebody. And, and that brings me a lot of pleasure. It's not something that I am holding my breath uh, against that, you know, this is going to help me retire, but I think it's got a lot of use cases and, and I have, you know, moved away from the mentality that it's just a fad. That was definitely how I felt maybe a year ago, like, oh, good luck with that. But I think um, if you're really intro- into it and serious and will do the research, good for you, you know, invest in that. And, and I, I hope the best for you. And maybe, well, maybe I will invest in it one day. I did buy an index fund that follows companies that are investing in blockchain technology. Companies that we already know are tried and true, and PayPal's and you know those kinds of companies. It's relatively expensive um, because it has to be actively managed at this point, but it, I've just put a little money in it and immediately it lost value. <laughs> Great. But it's how I have found a way to feel good about it. It's like, I want to follow an index. And I like blockchain. I don't know about these cryptocurrencies, but the blockchain seems really valid to me. So I was able to find that kind of an uh, investment that aligned all of those things. And we'll see, maybe it'll buy me a car one day. I have no idea. Well, I just love hearing you talk about It's a good story. No, I mean, cryptos can be a good story. It can also be maybe not a good story, depending on when you bought. Depending on the day. I mean, it's, that's like any, you know, new investment class though. It just doesn't have a lot of track record. It's still, I don't want to say it's in its infancy, but it's relative to like other traditional asset classes. It's super new. But it feels so interesting to hear you talk about PayPal as being tried and true. Because I remember when right, PayPal yeah. came out and people were like, what? That's crazy. Oh, I'd never do that. And like now it's tried and true. Right. And and Venmo's tried and true. And, uh, and so time passes and the narratives get it really. It, it, and the reason those companies are tried and true partly is because of adoption, right? We got to a point where we gave in. We're like, okay, you want me to transact with my phone online? How does this work? And and slowly but surely that became the norm. Eventually that will happen with, with crypto, where I think part of the hang up right now is that for most of the world, like it's like you have to really stop and learn. It, it is not easy to like really understand it. It's very abstract. Oh, I don't understand it. Right. <laughs> I just buy it. I mean, there's that strategy too. Uh, listen oh. to the podcast. I had some really good guests on it that it talked was great. about it. And, and you know, when I listened to it while I was cleaning up my closet. All right. Yep. See, I, I love, I furnish my home. That's right. There's a, I have a book coming out in 2023 about my life and how I became the weird lady that I am. There's a chapter called Love Me Some Windex. I know that it's not allowed to say as a woman that you like to clean because then that's like the patriarchy, you know, but I really like to clean. Like I love cleaning. It gives me such a sense of accomplishment and calm and a lot of like sorting out that goes on in my head when I'm folding and cleaning. And I don't know. I mean, I've been doing it since I was four years old. My mother taught me how to load a dishwasher. 
which is in and of itself a crazy story. And like the motivation behind that was not as pure, but you know, (laughs) for me, it has helped me during really difficult times in my life. When I take my mind off of something and do something, what I find to be like purposeful and useful, and it is what it is. I love that you can listen to this podcast while cleaning. I just, I don't want to give the impression that I am a person who cleans to that degree. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, I, I enjoy your podcast whenever I can listen to it. I am, we have time for a few questions, questions if anybody has any. Or you want to just like pick a date. We can do that. Ooh, question or random date? So many roulette. Oh, Jeannie, hi. We used to work together. So Jeannie wants to know, what's, a, what's my favorite money habit? For lo- the longest time, and I used to give this advice in my early beginning days of like giving financial advice, was seeing the numbers. I am very connected to numbers. Can anyone here raise their hand? I mean, don't tell me, but like knows the balance of their various accounts today, like as of like an hour ago. So I, I'm super hyper connected like that. Maybe some people would say that's not a good thing because you don't want to have that fuel, like a knee jerk reaction. I mean, I, I don't check my investments maybe every day, but actually I do because I, I use an app. It, it shows me everything that I have just to see, you know, that, Everything is where it should be. <laughs> no, firstly, like no one has hacked my accounts. It gives me that knowledge and connectedness to my money that's very literal. It's not an imaginary. Because I, what I used to do in my teens and 20s in college was I had a false sense of my financial security. I had a credit card and I had this, you know, DCU checking account. And back then, this is like late 90s, we didn't have, you know, mobile phones and apps and even websites to tell us how much money was in our bank account. We had to use the ATM receipt. I would use an ATM receipt and it would give me a false sense of resource because it's not accurate, right? It could take, like, it doesn't show that a check hasn't cleared yet from last week or that the the purchase you just made two hours ago, it hasn't been, hasn't cleared. And so I literally bounced 10 times in one week because I hadn't checked my account and I go to open it and there's all these overdraft after overdraft. I panicked because I just didn't have any sense of what money. I mean, I thought I had a sense because I had just gotten paid and I thought I was rich, but no, because things hadn't cleared. And this is probably why I'm on the complete other side of it where I may be over, overly protective of, of knowing. But I'm an example of ignorance is not bliss. And I did call the credit union that day and I said, I told them what happened and they cleared all of them except one of the, of the there were $300 in bounced check and overdraft. It was overdraft. I mean, that's where banks make a lot of their money and they made all a of feeling it. during the pandemic. And I, I can I can say with a fair degree of certainty that the, the online accounting is also not like up to the second. True, true, true. Yeah. Right. It's not, but there's nothing like opening up your bank account and there's a negative balance in there. Oh, nothing like so, it. like really <laughs> just like put things in perspective. I was like, I need to make some changes. This is not working. And I was working a lot and I was making a lot of money for a college student, but I was spending it on the other end. And I think I just had an inflated sense of what I could do. And this could be a whole other podcast I mean, about, uh, all the mistakes strategies and, and mistakes <laughs> and, 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 and perhaps, so perhaps we'll revisit it. Um, one more question. So the question is, if I, if I've got it right, is how do you begin educating your kids about money? You know, my son is seven and I got an allowance when I was about five or six years old. I asked for one much to my parents' chagrin. They were like, how did you learn about this thing? And I was like, my uncle told me. So we don't talk to that uncle anymore. Um, <laughs> so 
obviously I've been very money oriented since a kid. And I thought just by virtue of being from me that my son would have the same proclivity. And not really. He's just not into it. But then about a, a few months ago, he said to me that he'd like to start getting making money because he started to want more things. And you know, I'm like, well, let's come up with a chore board. So the, the, the lesson there is they'll tell you when they're ready. And we downloaded the app Go Henry, which also sponsors my podcast. And it's actually pretty awesome. And the kids can get their own debit card, which I think none of his other friends have. And when parents hear that my son has a debit card, they're like, really? But he actually used it at Target the other day. And he just, he understands it, you know, like he understands he earned the money from his chores. It's on his debit card. He can check the balance on my phone. I show it to him. He's also at the age where he's learning how to really add big numbers and subtract big numbers. And he's getting it slowly but surely. And he knows that this is just he doesn't have to spend it. I said, you know, with the app, you can also donate, you can invest, there's, you can gift. He's learning that money has many use cases, it, but it's not something that we really like touch on every day, but he knows. And for even the younger kids, before you even start talking about allowance and all of that, it's when I go grocery shopping with my little one, when she was even littler, like three, she would grab stuff and I'd say, we don't need that. We have enough at home. And it's just these little like moments where you're telling them, you're coming here for a purpose. You have a list. You're going to buy what you need. And before when there was cash, mostly cash transactions, I think it was a little simpler because they could see the money going away. Like, I don't have any more money left for that other thing that we want. But my parents always just talked about money in a very non-threatening way, even though we didn't have much of it growing up. But when my mother would go to pay off a credit card at the department store, she wouldn't think to tell me about it, but I would ask because I was that kid. And she would tell me, you know, she wouldn't say this isn't, don't worry about it. She'd say, well, this card, I used it to buy school clothes a month ago, and now I'm here to pay for it. And this is what this card does. It's a reminder to me that I have to come back and pay my bill. Okay. And then like at TJ Maxx, when she'd put things on layaway, like what's that? You know, so it was just easy, breezy conversations. And that's, anyone can do that. Of course, if money's a stress at home, I will say that kids will pick up on that, explain to them, not so much what's stressing you out, but how you're working to make it better. You know, so if you lost your job, that weighs on kids. You know, they're, they're worried about what's this going to mean for us. And, but they want to know that there's, you know, work being done to, to get you on the other side. And what can I do? Kids want to help. I remember during the recession, I wrote for Seventeen Magazine. This is the last recession, like 2008. And these young girls would write in and they'd say, my mom lost her job or um, my parents are going through a breakup and money's tight and I want to help, but they're not telling me anything. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's a generation of young girls that want to help and no one's talking to them about the important stuff. And I, and I just, you know, so I would say to parents, engage your kids. They want to help. Don't underestimate what they actually can grasp and appreciate. And they will rise to the occasion, especially the ones that are coming to you proactively. That is amazing. I was mentally filing away a lot of tips uh, for my own daughter. Um, one thing I'll, I'll maybe add to that is just be aware of the media they're consuming. Yeah. Um, my daughter learned about credit from Ryan the Last Dragon. There's a little thing in there about like being able to just buy whatever you want and pay it back later. And my daughter understood the concept of credit, which has been helpful. Also hilarious when she's like, can we just put it on credit? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's other things like you know YouTube videos, whatever, they're all sponsored by toy companies. And uh, they are less concerned with budgeting, let's just yeah. say. So I, it's also useful just to, to be aware of the messages that uh, your kids are getting and to 
respond to them and engage them. Absolutely. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation. I, may I say possibly uh, at least a year's worth. Of, uh, <laughs> In 30 minutes, yeah. But still please buy the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody should. And also holiday season, great gift. It is a wonderful, I don't think you can go wrong with it really because again, it also tells you when Wednesday is. Thank you so much for thank coming Thank you so here. much, Rachel. Great to have Thank you, you for coming. And thank you.